I didn't think I'd ever have a theme song for this podcast. The original intention when I started the show was to not really have any intentions, just to see where it would go. After I did a few, it seemed like it would be fun to intersperse the shorter episodes with longer ones where I actually do research, talk about things. The first thing I wanted to talk about was how Western psychology views the inner voice and what they had to say about the phenomenon. I'm still looking into it. To be honest, I haven't found anything too exciting yet. When it comes to dealing with thoughts, they do better at it in the East. Things like Zen and Buddhism, they might not be able to explain where the inner voice comes from or why it's there, but they spend a lot of time figuring out what to do with it, how to make it work for you. Today I want to talk about Zen. Zen's one of my favorite things ever. I've been into it since I was a kid. Jeez, almost 30 years now. I still don't really get it, but that's kind of the point. You don't really get Zen. You just kind of let it happen. A little history. Zen came out of India, made its way to China. It was brought there by somebody called the Bodhirama, who was the first Buddha. After it got to China, it went to Vietnam and Korea, and eventually ended up in Japan around the 6th century. That's where it kind of really shined. Um, the Japanese loved Zen. They took to it like a duck to water. In the 50s or so, late 40s, Suzuki wrote some books. They were the first books in English about Zen. From there, the Beatniks took it, Alan Watts got a hold of it, Aldous Huxley, a couple other writers, and it was big with the hippies. And from the hippies, it went to the 80s ninja craze and Mr. Miyagi. And now Zen is a buzzword that they use to sell you coloring books when you're too old to color. The word Zen comes from a Chinese word, which I don't know how to pronounce, but it means meditation. That's it. Nothing too fancy there. What I like about Zen is the point is to kind of get beyond language and social conditioning and culture and become who you really are. I think that's what they mean by becoming enlightened. It's not an easy process, and it's different for everybody. So that's why there's no real set way to go about practicing Zen. Meditation is the most popular activity. There's also a rich body of stories. These stories are often goofy. Sometimes they're perplexing on purpose. Sometimes they're perplexing because we're unfamiliar with the viewpoint that's being presented. I love these stories. I love reading them. I love telling them. I love thinking about them. And now I love podcasting them. One of the things that Zen masters seem to hold of highest importance is the ability to be honest with yourself. You have to be able to eat your own bullshit and see when your head's up your ass. They're not big on punishing themselves. The point's to make you better. You can't get better if you give yourself a hard time, and you can't get better if you don't acknowledge that there's something wrong. Seems pretty simple. Seems is the key word there. One time there was this Zen master. He was asked to give a speech to a group of really important government types. Rich people, powerful people, those sorts of people. He practiced the speech for a long time, months, if not over a year. And he felt he had perfected it to the best of his abilities. He had every breath controlled. He knew where every pause went. He knew how he should feel, the tone of his voice, how loud he should be. He had it all down. When the time came to give the speech, he noticed it was different than how he had practiced it. It still went over well, and by all accounts it was a great speech. 
but because he was unable to perform it the way he practiced it, he stopped calling himself a Zen master and went to meditate for seven years until he worked it out. That's a pretty rare and beautiful devotion to self-mastery, if I've ever seen one. I also like Zen because there's this attitude that runs through it that's very anti-authoritarian. It's not rebellious to be rebellious. It just doesn't cotton to things that don't make sense. It has no use for heavy ritual and drama. There's not a lot of emphasis placed on developing psychic powers, for example, like we find in India. The point's just to learn to be. To be where you are, who you are, when you are, as much as possible. Not to talk about how great certain people are, or to strive to reach a certain rank. A Zen master was laying in his bed dying once, and he called for his favorite student, the one who was going to succeed him as master. When the student arrived, he found the teacher laying in bed. The teacher proceeded to tell him that he had been chosen to take his place after he passed, and he planned on passing the next day. The student thanked him and assured him he would do the best job he could. The dying teacher understood this. That's what he expected to hear. And then he told the student that he had a special book that had been passed down from master to master for generations. Each added something to it before giving it to the new master. And he wanted the student to take it. The student became a little angry. And he said, You taught us that books don't mean anything. And the important thing is to practice meditation and not rely on rituals and rigmarole. The teacher laughed and he said, yeah, yeah, I know. But it's just a little thing that we've been doing. And I want you to have this book. Please take it. The student refused. And the teacher asked once again. This time the student took the book and he threw it into the fireplace. And the teacher says, what are you doing? And the student said, what are you saying to me? Those are two of my favorite stories about Zen. There's a whole bunch more, but I don't want to tell them to you all at once. If you're interested in them, check out a book called Zen Flesh, Zen Bones. I do have one more Zen story, though. Since it's almost Halloween, I found the only Zen ghost story that I think exists. It's about beans and ghosts. still having fun telling stories so i'm gonna keep doing it i think it was mentioned earlier it's uh this is a ghost story it's zen ghost story so it's not very scary it's more um illuminating so it starts out about this guy his um wife passes away and as she's passing away she makes him promise never to be with anyone else again because she's selfish he of course agrees because What's the point of disagreeing? You just let her die and do what you want anyway. There's not much she can do about it. For a while, he keeps his promise. He's not really interested in other women or pursuing a relationship with anything. He's just content to be by himself. And then one day it happens. He falls in love. And they want to get married. So he goes and he buys an engagement ring. And later that night, he's haunted by the ghost of his dead wife she tells him she knows all about the affair she's ha he's having 
she knows all about the promises he broke. And this continues every night for a week or so. He's just tormented by this apparition. Then he decides that he's had enough and he goes to the local Zen master. He explains the situation to the teacher who responds by saying, that's a very clever ghost. She seems to know everything. She knows when you bought the engagement ring, what you did that day. She's got it all covered. Here's what you should do though. When she comes to you tonight, grab a handful of beans and tell her, if you're so smart, tell me how many beans I'm holding. And if she can't answer you, she doesn't know anything more than you know. And therefore, it's just an extension of your subconscious mind, a trick. And if she does know, you gotta count the beans to make sure she's right. And then you got yourself a ghost. Come on back here and we'll, we'll take care of it from there. So the guy does what he says. Next time his wife comes, he challenges her with the beans and she's unable to answer. She gets frustrated and throws a hissy fit and vanishes. And the guy goes about his life. What I enjoy about that story is how the Zen master doesn't make fun of the man when he tells him he's seeing ghosts. He just accepts the fact that that guy sees ghosts. And then he thinks of all the reasons that someone might see ghosts. They might be seeing a ghost. They could be insane. They might be on drugs. It could be just grief. And he took an educated guess and helped the guy out without making him feel like a fool. I think that's pretty neat. I wish more religions were like that. Okay, so if you're anything like me, you've had enough of this by now. There is one more episode about Zen coming up. I want to try to illustrate why Zen is the perfect lens for exploring the inner dialogue. Just because it can't explain why it's there or where it came from, that doesn't mean it doesn't have a bunch of useful information for us. So next time, I'm going to tell you this cool story my friend told me about how Helen Keller learned to think and how that reminded me about when the Zen nun Choyono learned how not to think. So thanks for listening this far.